ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. This month, Wipulse, the leading authority on Gen Z and millennial opinions and behaviors, has just released their latest tracking report on young consumers' behaviors on social media. Mary Lee Bliss, Wipulse's chief content officer, is here to break down what they're seeing and what it all means for anyone who wants to capture Gen Z and millennial attention and meet them where they are. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to dive into the social media data. But before we do that, could you give listeners a bit of context about Polls, who you're serving, how many people, how old they are, where they are, how often you're talking to them? Absolutely. We are constantly speaking and interviewing young people in North America and Western Europe. So Pulse is conducting surveys on behavior. So the how much, how many, how often of Gen Z and millennials lives twice a month and also large trend-based surveys once a month. So almost every single week we have a survey out among 13 to 39 year olds, North America, the US and Canada, we're surveying 1,500 13 to 39 year olds. And it's a nationally representative sample across age, gender, race, ethnicity. So also large enough that you're looking at a very small margin of error and near real-time stats of how they feel. You're in the market a lot, large sample size. I love that. Since we're talking about social media, how frequently are you looking at social media? I mean, almost all the time. I can say that the report and data we're going to talk about now, our social media monitor, we're conducting twice a year. So we're really looking at this usage, what platforms, how often, engagement levels, and kind of granular feature usage at least twice a year. We're also looking at social media behavior. We look at their social media marketing preferences. We look at influencers, and those are all different surveys. Trends that we have throughout the year, Absolutely. We have many social media based trends, just a few from this year, link in bio, looking at social media shopping, what that looks like now and how much influencers are impacting their purchases. Really plan for January. We have a social media playbook coming out, telling people about the 10 big things they need to know to succeed reaching Gen Z and millennials in social media. For well, the year I know ahead. what the January, <laughs> I know what our January <laughs> interview is going to be, but continue. Yeah, so <laughs> it's near, it's almost constant because when new platforms pop up, which we all know they do, we'll throw a social media question in a survey. But so many of the topics that we are looking at when it comes to Gen Z and millennials link back to social media. So we really need to be monitoring their usage almost constantly. It has been part of our, our brand tracking as well. So mm-hmm. nearly every day we're asking about their feelings on these social media platforms and their usage there. So really, truly almost a nonstop feed of social media data. So if we think about the the arc of time, because you've been looking at this for quite some time, can you talk about the journey of TikTok? How exponent it feels exponential to me sitting in my Gen X chair, but has mm. it was adoption gradual or was it exponential? When did you see the tipping point happen? Yes. So we actually started tracking TikTok when it was musically in the States. So we had musically in our data. And then when it switched over, of course, we immediately 
made that change as well. So we have been tracking it for years and watching the adoption was so fascinating. When we look at the growth of TikTok use, starting at say 2019, 5% of young people told us they were on TikTok musically. That increased to 22% in January of 2020, 39% in January of 2021, up to 53% in February of 2022. Then now when we're looking at our most recent data, and of course that line of, of growth continued, we see that Overall, roughly 60, 55, 60% of young people are on TikTok. Interestingly, we really thought that growth would plateau this year, Mm. but instead we've continued to see it eke up. Wow. That is really interesting. That is really interesting. Although I don't know that there's much more room for it to go. So where does TikTok sit with regard to young consumers writ large, 13 to 39? So we're including those millennials in that. We're including millennials in that 13 to 39. And when you look at that overall, young consumers is a large demographic. Mm -hmm. It's number three with YouTube and Facebook still above. However, let's definitely strip out those millennials for a second and talk about Gen Z because the numbers are so, so different. Mm -hmm. When you're looking at Gen Z specifically, TikTok is number one with nearly three-fourths saying that they are using TikTok and that makes YouTube second to TikTok by a hair, but it is now the top platform among that generation. And then the other, like if we're looking at the top five, so TikTok, YouTube, and then how do they shake out? Yeah. So you can imagine that Facebook is not in the top three for Gen Z. It's really millennials that are boosting it for that overall number. Mm -hmm. We definitely look granularly at age ranges, 13 to 17 year olds, 18 to 24 year olds, and 25 plus when we're looking at this data, because they're so different Mm -hmm. when it comes to these platforms. For Gen Z, yes, we see TikTok one, YouTube two, then we have Instagram. Instagram and, and Snapchat, nearly neck and neck. Uh, Instagram is is just a hair above. And then it is in the top five, but I will say the percentage is much lower. 44% say that they're using Facebook. Interesting. Interesting. Where is X, formerly known as Twitter? Mm, we talk about this in the report and we've written written some articles about this. I actually wrote some before the acquisition, the infamous acquisition by Elon Musk. Twitter is not widely used among young people, Gen Z or millennial. And I think the impact that it has on news and uh, headlines and marketers is incredibly different from the real life impact it has on Gen Z and millennials. 25% of Gen Z use Twitter, making it on par, under Pinterest, under Discord, um, right. really not one of the top platforms. And it's actually not that much higher among millennials. It's 30%. So it's not a top platform for, for these generations. And we called that out. We tried to write Elon, tell him, <laughs> if you want young people, they're not there. He doesn't care about that, obviously. But truly, 
all the hubbub about Twitter X, it might matter. Culturally, it might matter to some some brands still, although we know so many have had kind of this mass migration away from the ads there. But one of the big lessons I would say for marketers going into 2024, spoiler alert, is you really don't need to be paying attention to Twitter X or investing your time there, I should say, if you're right. trying to reach young consumers. It's just not where they are. Don't, don't waste your pennies. That's really, I think, really interesting. I also... I've seen a lot. I, I would like to just gen, define generations briefly because I've seen lately a lot of Gen Alpha. What's Gen Alpha doing? And I had the impression that we really don't need to worry about Gen Alpha yet. Is that right or wrong? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so according to Wyapulse's definitions of the generations, Gen Alpha is incredibly young. So according to Wyapulse's definitions of the generations, which follow traditional generational year spans, roughly 20 years per generation. Gen Alpha started in 2020. And certainly time has passed since then, but that makes them around zero to three years old. However, huge caveat. (laughs) We understand that these generational terms have been adopted by marketers who just want to talk about the next group of young people who are coming up because young people are also not just in generations, but in lifespans. So What's happened, and this could be an entire other podcast, which I am absolutely happy to to put a conversation (laughs) to because I talk about it so much with my colleagues and we see so much out there around just these terms. They became incredibly mainstream. There's comedians who talk about millennials and Gen Z. It is everywhere. That was not the case when millennials were first being studied. And it really generational theory was in its nascency. It wasn't something everyone knew. When it became a mainstream conversation, the terms really became these clickbaity, to put it really bluntly, ways to talk about young people. Right. And so move over millennials, Gen Z is here. Move over Gen Z, Gen Alpha is here. The terms are being used to talk just about the next group of young people. Not as opposed to saying young Gen generation. Z. So, so as opposed Correct. to saying the younger, like the way millennials. Young Gen you Z talk, is not right. as clicky, is it? Young millennials right. isn't as clicky as saying there's a whole new generation that you need to worry about. Right. So we understand that is the case. And really what our research is looking at more than anything is how are different age ranges of young people acting differently from one another? And then how did that group of people grow up? What's their context? And we understand that our clients have different... Listen, I've asked what the definition of Gen Z is across many different clients. And I'll tell you, not a single one of them has the same one. Right, right. (laughs) It depends on industry because they want to talk about the next generation. And if you are in the Alcbev industry, you can't talk about people who are under 21. So the next generation has to be 22 to 25-year-olds. And you'll call them Gen Z to make sure that internally people understand you're talking about a a new kind of thinking, a new way of living, which might be true, but according to traditional generational labels, that's not accurate. But at this point, really all of our reporting, and you'll see it, we're looking at 13 to 17-year-olds versus 18 to 24-year-olds versus 25 to 39-year-olds. We're looking at parents versus non-parents. We're looking at college students and high school students. We're looking at these groups. We're looking at lifespans. There's a difference between a Gen Z teen and a Gen Z 20-something. So understanding a generation's context and how they grew up 
is incredibly important. It's also important to look at the lifespan, life stage that they're in. Right. And so we're really looking in our reporting at now the these age breaks right. to look at teens versus 20 somethings versus 30 somethings, look at right. parents, non-parents, look at the life stages that they are in, contextualize that with what they experienced growing up. And certainly we need to use the terminology because there's an understanding among our readers and our clients that young people are Gen Z and Gen Alpha. And so we need to make sure they understand we're talking about these generations as well. But I think the definitions have become in public discourse so distorted and such a mess that they are almost without meaning at this point. Well, right. You need to almost, you need to have some ages linked up to it so that people know what they're talking about. Okay. But getting back to, to social. So we know that they're on TikTok, especially the, the Gen Z folks, that's where they're sort of surfing for their entertainment. But one of the most interesting things that your report also shares, and I think brands need to think about, is that they're searching on social platforms. That's a pretty big statement. Can you unpack what it means? Absolutely. So Google themselves admitted that they are not necessarily the end game of search for young people. For Xers, millennials, Google is the way to find something. If you want to find out how to do something, that's your go-to. But for younger consumers, TikTok and YouTube, certainly we already knew, but TikTok and Instagram have become also places that they search to find the information that they need. Our Who's the Expert Trend Report from just a few months ago uh, looked at how young people learn new information of all kinds. And we asked, when finding information or learning something new, you usually turn to and gave them a range of many options from actual experts to libraries to a brand social media to AI platforms, of course. And we found that, yes, online search engines are still the top way that young people as a whole are finding out new information. But among Gen Z, it is neck and neck with social media, TikTok, Instagram. So really, they are almost as likely to be going on Instagram or TikTok to search for a term to learn something. And they really do see, I mean, edutainment Mm. is a huge part of the attraction of these platforms. So it's news, it's entertainment, it's content. Are they also actively searching to buy things? Like Amazon is another huge search engine. And you've got, obviously, if somebody's searching on Amazon, they're highly likely to purchase. Right. And I would say if they're searching for product, do they search for products on TikTok and Instagram? Are they going to start essentially stealing the revenue stream from Amazon and Google? Well, interesting that you say Amazon because Amazon introduced an integration with meta platforms. So Instagram Ah. has now an Amazon integration. So it actually bring you straight to Amazon to buy the thing that you search for. (laughs) They saw the writing on the wall. (laughs) Actually, TikTok shop, there's been mixed reviews among among creators, but TikTok shop has now launched fairly aggressively. So while that's not an an Amazon effort, that is happening simultaneously. We've been tracking social shopping for many years, and there's been many iterations and partnerships and plugins, and they've tried a lot of different things. The reality is that young people have been learning about 
products that they want to buy from social media for their entire lives. Mm -hmm. And it is a natural place that they want to learn about brands, some platforms more than others. And we ask the main reasons they visit specific platforms and certainly finding new products and brands is higher on some platforms than it is on others. But in their natural use of these of these platforms, they are getting inspiration. They are finding products and and new brands that they want to try. Reviews from other creators that look just like them feel like word of mouth to them. And we're going to explore that early next year, the changing definition of word of mouth in the wake of the democratization of content. So, So yeah. So if they're surfing and searching and purchasing, does that mean also that they're posting on the platforms or some platforms more lean back and be entertained and others more join in and share? Sure. I think it absolutely depends on the user as well. So there's there's two factors, the platform and then the person. And Overall, our previous research, New Content Creators, is a great report for this if you are a Wifels user, but our research really does show that the majority of young people tell us that they are posting content for an audience beyond their family and friends. So we have a generation, two generations of nano creators. We have data in our social media monitor around which social networks that they're posting content or commenting on or sending messages on. So engaged, Mm. active participation, at least once a week, really, truly healthy engagement. Many of them incredibly active on multiple platforms. The top ones would be Instagram, TikTok, and and Facebook for, for the older set. When we look at Gen Z's numbers, TikTok and Instagram are number two and three. You might be interested that Snapchat is number one. Really? And that, of course, is is among those who use Snapchat, but those who oh. use Snapchat are incredibly engaged users. Oh, interesting. And Snapchat is still very important when it comes to young people's communication with friends. I can't believe the Snap figure. I think that's really fascinating. So people who yeah. love Snap love Snap. Half of young people are using it and it's over half for Gen Z. Is it trickier for a brand to participate on Snap? No, No. there's still so much like AR sponsored lenses, like all that stuff that was very buzzy buzzy and new, like it's still there and people are still using it. Okay. Given how they're interacting, what does this tell brands about how they should be thinking about with regard to what they're sharing? This is the the Mm -hmm. universe, according to the youth. This is what they're doing on the platforms. If we think of it like a jumping rope, how does the brand jump into this game and not mess up the rhythm? Yeah. So there's two things that you need to consider. Of course, what's the content that's being posted organically and you want your content to feel endemic to the platform. It's something that we talk about so much in our content. It has to feel organic to their feeds. You have to reflect the style, the feeling, the kinds of genres that they are looking at on that platform. And then you also have to consider what kind of content do they want to see from brands on that platform? And what are they consuming there? Because you're right, some platforms are places where they get lost in the For You page rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. We actually do ask both things. So our social media monitor does ask what platforms they would post uh, the following kinds of content on. So what kinds of content they're, pla- they're posting on all of the top 
platforms. And then we also ask what they most want to see on each of the top platforms. Share what they Um, most want to see. Yeah. So (laughs) it depends on the platform. Okay. And if we look, let's say we're talking about TikTok, when Mm -hmm. we ask what they are most likely to post there or what they post there, memes and viral content are the top thing that they say they post on TikTok. Then when we look at what they are most likely to go to TikTok to see, so what brands would likely be smart to participate in, entertaining content and mood boosters are the top things that they are looking for there. They're going to really be entertained, stay on top of trends and get a mood boost. So if you pair those two things, the main reasons that they're visiting that platform and then the kinds of things that they are posting, you can really create a social media plan that aligns with their expectations and their desires for what they're seeing in their feed. Well, it's interesting, the mood boost. That that really is, yeah. in, is interesting. What about Instagram? Just curious for a point of con- comparison. Yeah, so what- the, the main reasons they're visiting the social media platforms differ, differ in such interesting ways across top platforms. So the top reason that they are visiting Instagram is keeping up with celebrities and influencers, followed by entertaining content. So it has to be entertaining right, <laughs> on both right. these platforms. But the fact that keeping up with celebrities and influencers is a top answer for Instagram mm-hmm. and not in the top three for TikTok is that really is telling. That's really interesting. It's almost like it's like the People magazine of of the generation. Yes, 100%. 100%. That's really, really interesting. Well, I suppose then if you want to have your influencer marketing, Instagram might be a good place because they're they're checking out those influencers that are looking at. I would say also understanding the difference between the kinds of celebrities and influencers they're looking at on Instagram, which, yes, I think you're right, is more of that mainstream people magazine or really mega influencers. Right, right. And then on because they're choosing to follow them, they have to hit that button. Right, right, and right. And it's a choice to have them in your feed. Whereas on TikTok, you're looking at nano creators, micro creators. And yes, you're following people, but also you're being exposed to so many people just because of the algorithm hashtags, so many other ways that you're exploring content and it's being presented to you. So the kinds of people that you're seeing on TikTok, is just a very different story from the kinds of people you're seeing on Instagram. And of course, people are cross-posting, but just algorithmically, what you're seeing is, is really different. Right. Working in in television and traditional um, media, there was an issue. People are double screening. They're watching television and they're also looking at their social media feeds. Do people Mm -hmm. have two social media feeds going at the same time or is it really one? Is it sequential? How does that work? We looked at the attention economy in depth this year in a trend report. So I have tons to say, of course, on the fact that they are on social while they're watching TV. And then also side note, gaming is such an immersive and intensely engaging way of screening (laughs) that you almost can't, you can't be second screening. So gaming is so That's interesting. So if you're gaming, you're not likely to be second screening. Interesting. Exactly. So it's, it's a really interesting contrast when you're thinking about the 
the attention economy. Like if you're a brand, where do you want to be? You want eyes glued on you. Games might be your best bet if your oh, integrate is so if fragmented. You, oh, wow. Interesting. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. But back to your original question. So yes, we know that they are on social platforms. When it comes to how many they're on at a time, we don't have that granular, you know, are you okay. on multiple social platforms at the same time? Although just through the functionality of their phones, you kind of have to make the assumption that they're shuffling back right. and forth. Right. But that we, was my yeah. my thought. I don't think you would be it would be possible unless maybe you're right. watching YouTube on unless a screen. You Yes, yes, which you absolutely can and, and will do. But we do have the number of platforms that they are on, on average. So six is wow. the, the mean number of platforms that they are on. Now look, our social media monitor list, the responses that they're able to choose from of the platforms that they use is in depth. It includes Fortnite because Fortnite is social. Mm. It includes things like, of course, the spinoffs, Thread from Instagram and Facebook Messenger, messaging platforms. So we're including a lot under the umbrella of social networks, but I would say they all matter and they all are a part of their social umbrella and their social behavior. So yeah, it's around six on average. Wow. Okay. Now I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot. So if you were to give an award for the brand that you've really been impressed by in terms of how they've surfed the changing social landscape, that they've done it particularly well, who would you give this award to? Who do you think has done, because it has changed over time. There is a lot. You've mm-hmm. got to be nimble. So who do you think has done yeah. a particularly good job? Well, I think I've said it before. We tend to see, interestingly, beauty brands really adopt new platforms early. Mm-hmm. And that was certainly the case with TikTok. Mm-hmm. And when we looked at the kinds of brands that were using TikTok in the earlier days, Mm. Uh, major retail brands were missing from that platform, but beauty brands really were on it very early. And so they get talked about a lot when it comes to TikTok, but it's for good reason. Mm. Elf Cosmetics has really done an amazing job. They were early to TikTok. They know how to showcase user content. I think Fenty Beauty is another great example. They're reposting content that is there as well as creating their own. It all feels incredibly organic to the platform. So I always want to give flowers to those beauty brands Mm -hmm. that are, it's often the, the smaller or younger beauty brands or the game changers, the disruptors, but they tend to adopt these platforms early and then really learn what's happening here and make it really feel like organic. Then we also talk about this often, but it has to be said, Duolingo Mm -hmm. has such a following on TikTok among Gen Z and millennials and has pretty uh, geniusly uh, made their mascot this very tongue-in-cheek brand ambassador and this character that really plays on every viral trend that you can think of and does it in a way that feels very cheeky and irreverent as opposed to try hard. Right, right. Well, fantastic. This is really, really great. If you were going to give advice to a social media marketing team and how they should be thinking about their social media spend, sort of a preview to what we're going to be talking about in January, can't wait for that report. What would you say is the the two things that they should have top of mind? Well, 
I think at this point it goes without saying that you have to be on TikTok and it has to be really natural, organic content. You can't be forcing yourself in their face, but you have to be on the platform creating a presence for yourself. Besides that, I would say don't ignore YouTube in the wake of TikTok. Because TikTok has gotten so much buzz, I think YouTube and just how important it is to young people when it comes to their entertainment, when it comes to how they learn how to do new things. And there's a social element to YouTube as well. I think people don't often understand how social the fandoms that are going to YouTube to watch longer content that they're very engaged in really are. And the comments (laughs) are a world of their own. On YouTube. So would that so mean a brand would, would jump into con- comments? Is that how they would participate? 1,000%. Okay. Yes. That's, that's the huge But question. also pay attention to what's being said about your brand. And you can react to that in, uh, as other brands have done, fun, irreverent ways. Responding to comments on TikTok and YouTube is something that creators do every single day. And brands should really be mirroring the behaviors of the creators that are successful not stealing their content, but giving them credit and mirroring what's happening on the platform. And so, yeah, absolutely respond to those comments. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been so much fun. Thank you. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open. And of course, all of you, the members of our audience, thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.